Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. Hey, well, let me introduce you to this uh, message today. It's in part of this series. It's called The How-To Guide to Christianity. And this is a, uh, a real practical series. And the more and more I break it apart, it went from an eight-week series to a 12-week series. And then I'm just kind of spending more and more time in the book of James. And I'm pulling this series out of James. Let me give you the backstory of this. James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. And what makes it separate from all the other epistles is that James was, is more of a practical book. It's, it's less of a theological book and more practical. Whereas a lot of the epistles have much more heavy theology and a lot less practical. They're all, they're all applicable to our lives. But James is a book that just says, hey, we want to put you to the test. If you say you believe in something, I want it to show up in your life. Like, becoming a Christian doesn't mean just avoiding hell and getting to heaven. Becoming a Christian should show up somewhere in your life, and that's what this series is. It's a how-to guide to Christianity. Because really, a snapshot of the book of James could come down to these three kind of statements put together in one sentence. He said, I want your beliefs, what you believe, to turn into action and your action into a new way of living. So I don't want you just to say I'm a Christian. I want it to show up in your life every day. I want it to make a difference, not in your destination, but in your journey. I want it to show up in how you live. And so James breaks us all down, and I, here's what I think. I really believe that most Christians that I know, that I run with, they don't just serve the Lord just to get to heaven. They, really, they want it to make a difference in their life. And so we've gone through all the chapters and I'm breaking them all apart. Last week we went through chapter three on talking about your mouth and your tongue. How many, how many came out of there with some, I'm gonna make some changes in my life. We went, on, we went for, away for a couple days and it was the most quoted verse on our trip. Um, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And they kept, the kids kept quoting it to me. Swift to hear, Daddy. Don't talk, listen. And, uh, but you love it when your kids quote your, your messages back to you. But today, I want to go into ch- chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I want to break into this. Now, in James chapter 4, there's a heading. And a lot of times your Bibles have headings in each chapter. The heading to James chapter 4 is drawing close to God. And I think a lot of us want to draw closer to God. And then he starts describing how you do that. It's going to shock you how he approaches the topic of drawing close to God. It's not going to be the way a lot of us think. We think of our relationship with the Lord as, as very sort of, you know, vertical. And it just goes between God and us. And James is going to say something that's going to shock you. He's going to say, if you want to draw closer to God vertically, it's going to require some horizontal attention. It's going to require you to deal with your relationships in your life. James said, if you want to get close to God, make sure you handle the relationships in your life scripturally. And he starts off in chapter 4 and verse 1 by saying, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? That's his opening line on how to get close to God. He says, hey, you want to get close to God, deal with your relationships. Now, I've been waiting to to preach this part of the James series uh, uh, on on Communion Sunday. And the reason is, is because it ties in to to communion. 1 Corinthians 11, of course, is a chapter on communion, how to take communion. And, And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, 
And he wrote a pretty sharp letter to them. If you want to read a letter of 1 Corinthians, it's, it's, we, we, we call it a book of the Bible, but really it was a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church. And he is pretty strong, some of the stuff he says in there. When it comes to the subject of taking communion, just like we are, he writes this letter to the church. He says, first I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. He's like, hey guys, when you're coming to church, there's fighting and there's arguing. He says, that's got to stop. He says, that is why, in verse 28, that's why you should, before you take this cup over here, we're going to take it at the end of service, I want you to examine yourself before. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Before you eat the bread and drink the cup, before you take that little bread wafer, before you drink that little uh, uh, plastic cup of grape juice, I want you to examine yourself. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, and this is what he said, verse 29, without honoring the body of Christ. I want you to honor the people in the body of Christ. Do you know, do you know that your wife or your husband, your partner, your your son, your daughter, your coworker that's a Christian, do you know that they're the body of Christ? You ever thought about it like that? And God says, hey, before you start taking the cup and the juice, the, the juice and the bread, rather, I want you to examine, are you in right relationship with the people in your life? Like, how, how are your relationships going? And James is going to address this, and I want to I wanna give you sort of uh, just a, a premise to this message this morning. And here it is. If you don't write anything else down, write this one thought down. You were designed by God, created by God, to be in healthy relationships, not just relationships, but healthy relationships. And one of the most spiritual things that you could ever buy into is that God wants you in a healthy relationship. And, our, and I think our nation, we struggle with this because we, we live in a, a me, we have a me mentality. We have an I mentality. It's all about me. It's all about, we live, you could almost say it like this, we live in a selfie generation. Like, what am I going to get out of it? How's it going to help me? And we're becoming more and more connected through social media, through technology, through the internet, through our smartphones. Some people call them dumb phones. And uh, we're, we're more connected, but at the cost of being disconnected to the people in our lives. And so we're more connected, but we're also, and statistics, they bear, bear this out, 2017, there's never been a generation this is right out of a, a very reliable source, the USA Today. And um, there's never been a more lonelier generation than this generation right now, yet they're more connected. Like, how is that? And we, because we have connectivity through technology, but our relationships at the cost of building strong relationships. Ecclesiastes chapter four reads it like this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. I've got stuff. I've got convenience. But I don't have relationship. And I have achievements. And I'm building companies. And I'm getting promoted on the job. But at the cost of relationships. Now, one of the things you'll be shocked to hear this about me is um, I don't like doing marriage counseling, and, but I, I, I don't mind doing funerals. 
And the reason I like doing funerals is because the seed is so, I'm sorry, the ground is so fertile to plant seed. Everybody's listening because a monumental event just happened in their life. And they're going to listen. And it's, I just found it some of the most easy places to share the gospel. Well, I've done hundreds of funerals and just did one last uh, Friday, a couple of Fridays ago right here in this building. And one thing you'll notice at a funeral is I do my part. And then oftentimes family will get up and f- close friends will share, maybe three or four people. And so I did this funeral and I was right here, sat right down here. And on the front row, there was four ladies that were all scheduled to speak for three or four minutes each or something. And they're going to get up and they're going to share about how this person impacted their life. And you know what I've never seen at a funeral? Anybody get up and talk about how, the, how many great accomplishments this person's had. But what you'll hear them say is how this person impacted my life relationally. They, they don't talk about all the great ex- stuff they accomplished or all the wealth they've accumulated, how many homes they owned, or how great they were. In the, what they talk about is, did this person make a difference in my life? And what I'm trying to get across to us this morning as I start breaking this message apart is James is saying, we're so, we're so looking at the big will of God, the big picture of God, that we're missing what God is doing in our everyday life. We're so, our eyes are on the prize, our eyes are on the goal, and, and, and we're so interested in that that we're missing what God's doing in our families. We're missing what God is doing in our relationships. And I would say to you this, life is not as random as you think it is. Life is not just happening by chance or by your choice sometimes. I would say this, you're born in the, born in the year 2018 on purpose. And the people that are in your life are not as random as you think. You, you think you live in the neighborhood because you chose that home. Well, what if God put that in your heart? You think you're at your job because it pays the best or because it's the best opportunity. What if God did all that, divinely connected all that so you could impact people's lives? Acts 17 and verse 26 says it like this. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. All I'm saying is, is maybe the people in your life aren't as random as you think they are. All I'm saying is, is you think, well, I chose my husband, I chose my wife, my kids. Maybe God did all that, arranged it, and there's a reason why he put you two together. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of, and just if you have, raise your hand, but the guy by the name, not you, Pastor Gwynn, because I know you know, and uh, by the guy, Mordecai Ham, a few of you had, just a few of you. Out of the 800 people here, maybe just a handful of people went up. And, and, and Mordecai Ham was an evangelist. And what makes Mordecai Ham famous is this, this one thing. He did a random revival in a small town in North Carolina. And in this revival, there was two teenagers. And these two teenagers, they didn't want to be there. Their parents actually made them go. That's a novel concept. People, I get asked this question, should I make my kids go to church? I don't ever answer. I say, well, do you make him go to school? So the parents made these two kids go, and they were so, these two kids so didn't want to be there that they hid in the choir on the fourth night. 
because they felt like Mordecai Ham was preaching directly to them. On the fourth night of this revival, Mordecai Ham preached the gospel so eloquently that there was a young man said, I have to respond. I, he has presented it. There's no other choice for me. I have to respond to this Jesus. The name of the man who responded was a name you might be familiar with. His name was Billy Graham. All I'm saying is this. Life might not be as random as you think it is. And, 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 and we're, James is trying to get across to you. You're so looking at the big picture that you're missing what God is doing in this everyday life, for your relationships. You're so focused on eternity, and you're so focused on getting to heaven, and you're so focused on getting stuff that I'm trying to work in your life every day through relationships. So he starts off James chapter 4 and verse 1, and this is what he's writing. Now listen, verse 1, he's writing this to the church, not to Washington, D.C. He says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you don't they come from the desires that battle within you you desire but you do not have this is to the church so you kill this sounds like republicans and democrats this sounds like a political campaign going on here you covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and you fight he says you quarrel and you fight and I'm going to break these three verses apart for you. And I'm going to share with you what James, call, what I call three relationship killers. I want to talk about things that are going to kill relationships in your life. I'm going to do all of this in about 19, 20 minutes. And then I'm going to spend the remainder of my time giving you six things uh, that, that James talks about that you need to do with your relationships. Because he, what he's saying is this. If you can get these relationships right, it'll actually impact your relationship with God. If you can get this right, it'll cause you to draw nearer to God. Number one, the first thing he said to this, you want a, you want a relationship killer, here it is. It's, it's, I call it comparison. You start comparing your marriage, your kids, your job to other people's marriages, other people's homes, other people's jobs. And let me tell you what the Bible says about comparing yourself to other people. Never, ever compare yourself to anyone, ever, the Bible says. Don't, I'm sorry, don't compare your kids. Don't compare their, your home. Don't compare your car. Don't compare your job. Don't compare your dog. Don't compare your cat. Don't compare your fence, for goodness sake. He says, don't compare anything in your life with what's going on in anyone else's life. He says, you're stupid if you do it. And you know why this is so hard? Because we live in a, we live in a social media society, and it's Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, and all these things. And what you don't know is everybody's putting up their very best. They're not putting up their worst pictures. We put up pictures of our kids last week, our five kids, and they're there, and we got so many comments and likes and all this stuff, and what nobody knows is this, about 30 seconds before we took that picture, I said to one of my kids, you better smile, or I'm gonna give you something not to smile about. <laughs> so, you guys, so they're there, one stepping, hitting each other, stop it, and they're shoving, I'm like, you guys better straighten out. If you get your mom aggravated, I'm gonna get aggravated. You smile for this picture and make her happy goes up on Instagram. 
500 likes. And that's what you see. You don't get to see the junk in people. When Dina and me take selfies, she looks, nope, nope, nope. Oh, Norm, you look good in that one. There you go. That's what people are showing you in your life, and you're comparing your normal life to their highlight reel. And, you, and, and why this is so dangerous to do this is we get a wrong view of ourselves. We start comparing ourselves to other people's perfection. And you, here's what compar- comparison does. Either makes you prideful or insecure. Prideful that I'm better than everybody else or insecure I'm not as good as everybody else. Pride or insecurity always leads to reluctance. You'll never obey God with pride or insecurity. You never take the steps. So comparison, don't do it. Number two, James said this. We, in our relationships, we're loving the wrong things. We end up loving the wrong stuff. James chapter four says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Okay, but even when you do ask, you don't get it. You don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want what only will give you pleasure and listen this isn't about stuff God said have all the stuff you want just prioritize the stuff in your life have multiple homes multiple cars vacations all of that go for drive any car you want as long as that car doesn't own you and as long as that stuff's not breaking apart your family God says you ask for it but you don't get it you want to know why because God loves you too much to let that stuff ruin your life Some of the stuff you're praying and you're not getting and you're wondering why, because God sees your future, you just see your now. He says, you got the wrong motive. James chapter four and verse four says this, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Let me give you the third relationship killer he talks about, then I'm gonna give you six great keys how, how to overcome these. Third thing he said is this, you have this friendship with the world and it's affecting your relationship with God. Harm, here it is. Harmful relationships are keeping us from cultivating important relationships. There are some relationships in our life that we have that we shouldn't have. And some relationships in our life are taking up relational capacity where it doesn't allow us to make new friends. I'm, I'm not gonna preach, so I'm just gonna let the Bible answer this plain and, plain and clear. Proverbs 27 and verse 19 says this, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Like that, that's what he, and this is what he's saying, it's impossible to live right with the wrong friends. It's impossible. I know you've tried and your heart was right and you're trying to live for God and what you don't know is you're setting yourself up for failure. Someone's gotta have the hard decision with you and I'm gonna do it with you now. You can't serve God with the people you have around you. You gotta make some changes if you wanna do this thing called living for God. And that's what James is saying. You're trying to to live for God but you're still friends with the world and it's not working. Like you, you gotta find some Jesus followers and plant them in your life and be around them. He said, if you do this, it'll change everything. Proverbs 13 says it like this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. It's time to make some decisions because great relationships happen on purpose. 
Like, that's just the way it is. Dads, I, my relationship priorities in my life is I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor, and I'm an employer. Those are important relationships in my life. And I've got to manage those relationships in a healthy way. And I can't give away capacity to some people if, they're not gonna, if I'm not going to be a blessing to them and they're not going to be a blessing to me. So these are some things that we have to answer. And it's so easy because you, if you're married, especially men, you, you get married and you go, okay, I'm married and I won her and I'm going to conquer her. And, and I got her, and, you, and you, put, you, you work so hard, and you're writing love notes, and you're, you're doing, sending texts. I didn't because we didn't have texts back then. But you're doing all that flowers, and you're dating, and then she says, I do, and you've conquered her. And so most men want to move on to the next thing. And what God is saying to you is this. Man, you better make room for the most important relationships in your life. Sometimes you got to sever harmful relationships so you can have healthy relationships. Amen. So now, let me, that's the problem. Now, I've got about 11 minutes left with you before communion. I want to give you some answers on how to deal with the relationships in your life, what James says, so you can manage those in the right way. Number one, James chapter four and verse six, famous verse. He says, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what do you do with that? So, verse seven, give yourselves completely to God. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let me give you quickly six answers on how to solve relationship issues in your life. Number one, here are the relationship solutions. If you want to have healthy relationships, the first thing you can do is give yourself completely to God. That's what verse seven says. Let me be clear about something. God doesn't hate prideful people. God just hates pride for what it does in your life. He says, you have been trying to do this thing called life on your own. Like, and how's it working out for you? He says, what I want you to do is give yourself completely to God. How do you do that? You come close to God. People say, Pastor, how do you come close to God? Only way I know how to tell you this is a real practical way. I, it comes through the word, through worship and prayer. Someone says, what do you mean? I, I call it the 15-minute challenge. You give God the first 15 minutes of your day. I mean the first 15 minutes, five minutes in scripture, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. You start your day off like that, it's gonna reset your life. That's called humbling yourself under the hand of God. Through those five minutes in the word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer, God's gonna do something. He's gonna start talking to you about your day. He's already been where you're going. He knows your future better than you remember your past. He's going to start downloading some things in your heart. You're going to be like, wow, you're reading your Bible. And all of a sudden, our scripture comes alive. Four hours later, you're like, oh, okay. What are you doing? You're giving yourself completely to God. Number two, believe the best about people in your life. 
Second thing we can do, believe the best about people in your life. James chapter four and verse 11 says this, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Here's what he's saying. Don't be the judge of everybody in your life. How many have ever watched the Andy Griffith show? One of, one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite characters in there is Barney Fife. Who doesn't love Barney Fife? And Barney Fife, my kids make fun of me. They're, like, they're always like, is this the way TV was when you were a kid? And I'm like, yeah, shut up. And uh, we got up and turned the channel, remember that? And, and, and so, but one thing about Barney Fife is this, he do all right, but every time he tries to become the sheriff, he gets out of his lane, he all, it always backfires, he always gets in trouble. Barney Fife, if he would just stay the deputy, he'd be okay. He tries to become the sheriff and gets in trouble. What am I saying? You are not the sheriff of the universe. When you start trying to be the judge of everybody else in your life, you're always gonna get into trouble. Here's the reason why. You're trying to put yourself in a place where you have no authority or responsibility. Here's what I would say in a marriage. Come on, quit trying to make your spouse better. Try to make, your spouse, make yourself better and just love them. You want a secret to a strong relationship in a marriage? Quit trying to change the person you married. Because you know the thing, the thing, the thing, what is it? The thing you love about them now, when you dated them, you hate about them now. Isn't that the way it works? Like, like, like you, you, you marry a young lady, and she's so, she's organized. She's detailed. I mean, I just love her. She's organized. She's detailed. She sees things I don't see. She's so neat. Before you're describing her to your parents or to your friends, I mean, she just can plan out anything, and she sees things I don't see. You say I do on the altar, and all of a sudden, she's a control freak. She don't let me, I mean, She's just uh, trying to do, tell me everything, what to do, what to wear, what to buy, how to play. And, and before you get married, he's so easygoing. He's so kind. He just rolls with anything. Uh, he's just like that. I mean, he just sees things and just doesn't get upset by You say, I do. He's lazy. He doesn't think about a thing but himself. He, and so what I'm saying is quit trying to change that person and just love that person. Right, because here, here's what I'm saying is like, like we, we only have ch we have five children. None of them. We don't have any grandkids, and um, five kids. And, and 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 now my parents are much older, 86 and 84, and and so we've always spent a lot of time with them. But we get to even spend more time with them now. And um, and so we, we we went shopping the other night, and and I had one of my kids with me, and took my mom shopping. We're at Publix, and we're just going around there. And so she pays for all her stuff, and and, and she gets done paying and they give her back a big chunk of change, a big wad of cash. And she says to, to my, my five-year-old, she goes, here, you want this? I'm like, what? I'm like, that never happened to us ever. I'm like, he's five years old. How much money are you giving him? I mean, you told us, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you want money, save it. And you just walk up and giving it to him. And you know what? It's the truth. If you're a parent of a child, your job is to what? To train, to love them, to disciple them, or train and correct in that order. Love, 
train and correct if necessary and then love again. But if you're a grandparent, your job is to love, spoil, and have a candy drawer. Like, let me tell you, I, I, all your kids, I love me. You know what? I got candy everywhere in my office, in every, my green room. Every, I got candy everywhere for them. I don't eat it, but I give it to them. Because I'm not going home with them. When I, we're at my parents' house, and, and my son wanted ice cream. And I'm like, Mom, it's 10 o'clock at night. That's his fourth ice cream cone. No! Why? Because a grandparent's job is just to love. Let me say this to you. Let God, come on, let God be the father of the relationships in your life. Just be the grandparent, just love. Like, like, like it's, you'll impact their life in a great way. Number three, here it is. My job is to love, here it is, let God be the judge. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 4. This preaches, I don't even need to explain this. Verse five says this. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgment before all the evidence is in. That's what we do sometimes. It says, when he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of. Our inner motives and purposes and prayers, only then will any of us get to hear, well done of God. Here's what I'm saying. When you judge others, you don't know their heart. All I would say is this, I'll just submit this to you. Maybe if you were raised in the same kind of home they were raised in, maybe, just maybe, if you were raised in the environment they were raised in or had the life they had, maybe you wouldn't even make those kind of good decisions they're making. Maybe you would have made worse decisions than they made. See, we, we tend to just judge people without knowing their hearts. And what God is saying is this, like, let me be the judge. I just want you to love people. Number four, you got four more minutes with me? Number four, here it is. Acknowledge the law, and this is the one I kind of want to hone in on. Acknowledge the law of sowing and reaping. And I want to read a verse to you. Luke chapter six and verse 33 says this. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now most of us are gonna read this verse and think he's talking about money, but he's not talking about money. He says, do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will make, will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. He's talking about a spiritual law. Like, and we think it's about writing a check, giving an offering, and that's not even the context of that verse. It's not about writing a check and getting more money back. He says, hey, somebody's gonna set in motion in a relationship. I'm not gonna judge, but I'm gonna be merciful. I'm not gonna condemn, but I'm gonna be forgiving. He says, it does something to you. It comes, it's the law of reciprocity. It comes back at you. It boomerangs back at you with greater velocity. That's what he's saying there. If someone in a marriage would be kind, if someone in a marriage or in a, in a home would be forgiven, he said it'll, it'll boomerang back in your life. That's what the Bible says. And s- studies have been done that prove this out to be true. Social studies, psychological studies have been done. I read one here. Do you know at Chick-fil-A versus a McDonald's, you walk in a McDonald's 
and you're going to fill certain things. It's going to be cheaper, but you're, you're going to spend less money there. You go to a Chick-fil-A, and they have created a culture in there that makes you feel comfortable paying almost 40% more than McDonald's. And here's the thing. If you shop at the one in Winter Springs or eat at Winter Springs, Tuscaloosa, you, your love walk gets tested just driving in the parking lot because the rest of the city is eating in the same place. It's just crazy when you go, but they've done something with their employees. They've taught them honor. They've taught them how to serve customers. They've taught them the value of appreciation. So when you walk in there, I love it. This is true. My son works there, and I, I just go eat there just to hear these two words. My pleasure. I wait for him. Someone says, you ready to order? No, I'll wait for him. You ready to order? No, I'll wait for him. So I go up, I order, and I go, I say, thank you. Say it. My pleasure. I pay his whole paycheck just to do that. My pleasure. But, but here's the thing. You, what they found out at a Chick-fil-A is this. The lines are long. The food's more expensive. It's way more crowded. But people love to go there. Here's the reason why. They have created the right culture inside that restaurant. And here's what they found out. They're not going to blame the customer. They're not going to blame the economy. It's going to start with the leadership. Here's what I'm saying. Who is going to sow seed among weeds? And who's going to go first? Man, maybe your marriage stinks. Maybe your home stinks. Maybe your family's not where it is. Who's going to be the first one to sow the seed? That's what he's saying. Number five, ask God to get involved in your relationships. Actually, like actually ask God to do that. James 4 says that like this. And now I have a word for you who brashly announced today at the latest tomorrow we're off to such and such a city for a year for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. Here's what James said. He says you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit. Like do this first. If the master wills it, and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. In other words, what I'm saying is, is like invite God in. God, how do I handle this? God, what do you want me to do in this relationship? Here's what I know, God will never say this, be stubborn. God will never say, you know what? I mean, stick it to them. God will never say this, because I, 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 people have done me wrong and I've wanted to go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I've never ever heard God say, you know what? Give them what they deserve. Be my agent. Vengeance is norms, says the Lord today. <laughs> I've never heard him say that ever. I kind of wish he would sometimes. In fact, I just, it makes me feel good to him say that to me sometime. But what he does say is, like people ask me, how do you pray? Like how do you pray? Like as long as you do, how do you do that? Well, it, and I'm gonna break this down in the fall. I'm gonna teach on this some, but. In Matthew, we see the Lord's Prayer. And if you were raised like I was raised in a denomination, the Lord's Prayer was this. We were, we were to memorize it and just quote it. But nowhere in, Jesus didn't say to memorize this prayer and quote it. They said, Lord, how do you teach us to pray? He said, okay, pray like this. He didn't say pray this. He said, pray like this. 
He said, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. Like start off by saying, hallowed be your name, worship him. Then he said, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray about God's deal. Like pray for the church, pray for people in your life, pray about what's important to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Then pray about your needs. And then notice the next part of that, the fourth thing he said. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive the people that have wronged us as we forgive them. In other words, God said, get me involved in your relationships in a prayerful way. God, how would you handle this? Let me wrap it up by this. Last and final thought is this. Ask yourself this question. James says, will this honor God? Will the decisions I make honor God? Matthew 6 says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Like every area of our life, ask ourselves, will it honor God? Does this honor God? Like, like, like I'm gonna move. Well, it's fine, move, it's fine. I think it's okay, but have you ever, did you ask God, do you, do you want me to move? Will it honor, here's the problem, because you're thinking, if I can just change zip codes, if I can just get a new house, a new job, new friends, uh, uh, new relationships, then everything's gonna be okay. Here's the problem with that. You're moving to the new zip code too. You know what I'm saying? For most of the problems in your life you created, you're going to the new zip code. You have to ask yourself this question. It's true. I, I don't do any more marriage counseling, really, especially premarital, and I don't do it because I don't like it. And uh, now I'm a senior pastor, I don't have to. But I've done a lot of it. And here's what I'll tell you. I ask young couples that are getting married, hey, have you prayed about this? They go, hmm, what? I said, wait, oh, have you ever prayed together at all? And they go, hmm. So let's just take a break from this, go on a date, and go pray and see if God wants you to do this. Like, will it honor God? Like, like I mean, in every area, like, people say, you know, Pastor, what, what do you think about this dress or that dress? I, here's what I'll say. It doesn't matter what I think. What does God think? Like, put the clothes on. Does it honor God or not? I was at the store, uh, sales store the other day getting, getting, um, phone for one of my kids and um and so when we got done with all this the guy says to me he says hey uh here's what's going on he says you got so many phones and you got cable through us you have home phone through us and internet and all this he goes we got these bundles and we want to because you got so much we want to give you something for free and so i said to him this is the truth i said hey i don't want anything for free could you just lower the bill and just take it off my bill he says, no, it doesn't work that way the bill is what it is but because you buy so much you get to pick something for free from this list she shows me the list, it's free HBO, free Cinemax, free Showtime, His, pick all that. I says, no, I don't want all that, no, don't, don't need that, nope, don't want it. He goes, wait, 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 it's free. He says, this is not a promotional, like pay now, free for 30 days or something, you get it for free forever. I says, nope, don't want it. And he said, I just gotta ask you why. I says, here's why. It'll hurt my family. It, it won't honor God. He was so perplexed by that. He goes, what? I said, I know what's on those channels. And it won't honor God in our home. The question is, will it honor God? What you're doing in your relationships. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. 
For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.